Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the NC Stands podcast. My name is Maureen, and I'll be your host for this week. As we all know, Game Week 23 had some really strange results. The strangest of them probably being Liverpool's 4-1 home loss to Manchester City. That makes it three home defeats in a row now for Liverpool. That is indeed very worrying, and these are very, very strange times at Anfield, especially for the fans. For the players and also most importantly and probably most tragically for the coach Jurgen Klopp who unfortunately just lost his mom my heart goes out to him. Ebuka sat down with Olumide and Ovo who are both Liverpool fans and they're both regulars on the show and they get into what may have gone wrong at Anfield who is to blame for the team's poor performances are the tactics outdated are the players fatigued is it a mentality thing they try to get to the rules of the issue and see is there hope isn't there hope because as we know liverpool is on a title defense so this is really 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 strange on the last episode we had olumide coming to talk about Liverpool's home defeat to Burnley and Brighton. And here we are again with Olumide talking about yet another home defeat, this time to Man City. Um, Olu is not alone today. We also have Ovo, who is a Liverpool fan and from the Putty Stance podcast. So welcome, guys, to the Empty Stance podcast, and we'll just go right into it. Over, what was your reaction to the City results? Well, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. And my reaction to this um, Massive result, the thing was that coming into the game, when you see the lineups, after signing two defenders, you would expect them to start in a big game. And if you tell a Liverpool fan last year, tell him that Liverpool will be starting the Premier League game against Man City with Fabinho and Henderson at the back, the Liverpool fan would, he would laugh at you and tell you you're not being serious, like what happened to all our defenders. And um, we're definitely not going to win that match. So when I saw the lineups, I went to switch with that mentality. But at the same time, I'm a big fan of Jurgen Klopp and he taught us how to believe and all this kind of stuff. So I still had a little bit of faith in the team. But um, after the first half, I felt like we controlled the game and minimized Man City to like listen to no opportunities. I saw the penalty they got. And then we had chances of our own money and Firmino just couldn't hit the back of the net. Anyways, we saw what happened in the second half. And after the result, first of all, that destroyed any like hope of a title challenge or a title charge this season. I think we should just focus on getting top four. And yeah, that was just my reaction. I didn't really think about it so much because um Considering the circumstances, we shouldn't we shouldn't be too crestfallen about the result. Interesting. Olu, the Salah penalty, in your opinion, was that the penalty? Yes, yes, it was a definite penalty. Um, a bit of um, not a bit, a lot of um, um, Salah went down theatrically, but it was still a penalty. There was contact. Um, um, what's his name? Ruben Diaz. Um, was trying to grapple Salah and Salah just made the most of it. It was a penalty. It looks like theatrical, but it was a penalty. Stone open. Um, Olu, 
looking at the recent results, who do you think is to blame? Is it Klopp or the players? Um, well, this slump has a lot to do with um, our injuries, right? And you can't outrightly blame the manager for that. But um, I recently, in recent weeks, I actually feel that Klopp is to blame for some. He has been on the end or he has been making some wrong decisions. Like, uh, for instance, um, um, the personnel. Yes, the personnel, the, 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 the way we start matches. Like, Klopp has been, lately he has been too um, safe. He has been too um, scared to make changes. Like, I, I, I saw the lineup yesterday, and then I, already, I, was, I was like, why did we sign two, two defenders? And then, okay, I will even go past the lineup now. Uh, ignore the lineup, ignore the selection. And then look back at it because we 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 went into the season with um, three defenders. We lost um, Dejan Lovren uh, in summer, and then we went into the season with just three defenders. Out of the three defenders, I'll say two are injury problematic. Is is an hospital patient already? And then Gomez has his fair share of injuries. Like every season, he picks up at least one long-term injury. So yeah, we're going in with just Van Dijk. You have the point of saying that oh, Van Dijk has not missed a Premier League game since he signed for us, but well, hard luck, and then we lost Van Dyke, and then the other two crumbled. So not getting not, not getting a replacement for Lovren was Klopp's call. It's totally Klopp's call because you can't you can't you can't you can't you can't tell me that so we, we got uh, the Davies guy and Kabak on loan for a combined uh, grand total of two point five million. Do you understand? So we could have no matter how cheap we could have gotten somebody. So little little things here and there. I won't call it pride, but I'll just say it was Klopp was a bit naive. Um, in that sense. So, yes, really not the players. The players still remain our players from last season, but sometimes, and I saw a statistic of your of um, front three, like um, the past, the great front threes, and then most of, most front, no front three has ever gone into a fourth year. But yes, we are here with, in the fourth year with the same players, and then you can't really blame them because they've had three, three crazy years. So, really, I just feel that I can pin the blame on Klopp uh, for being naive, but then these things happen. Um, yes, yeah, it happens. Over, do you share that? Um, personally, yeah, personally, I I kind of agree with you. Going into the season with three defenders wasn't really ideal, but at the same time, I feel like Klopp was trying to make Fabinho the fourth choice centre back. Either way, I remember him starting a game against Chelsea when Matip and Gomez were out, and we kept the clinches in that game, and I think he played pretty well. No matter what you say, I don't think you can factor in the probability of three centre-backs getting injured for the entire season, halfway through the season. Like, you just don't imagine something like that would happen. Like, worst-case scenario. So, with, with regards to the results, you can't really expect consistent results when our players are consistently getting injured. So... Like you said, we had three strikers who have been playing together for three three years, going into going into four, and we signed Diego Yota, and he was playing very very well when Mania yeah. and Firmino went scoring. He was helping us with the goals, but guess what? He got injured. I don't think you can blame Klopp for that. Liverpool were very stacked in the midfield. We signed Thiago, who would have um, played at the base of the midfield if Fabinho was to go into centre back, but guess what? He got injured as well. So. You can't really blame Klopp for things like that. And people say that Liverpool have been really um, lucky with injuries. 
over the years. But first of all, we have having to get injuries every year, but the spine of our team more or less stays the same with um, Fabinho, Verge, Henderson, Salah, Allison. Those are the three players that hardly get injured, but the rest do get injured. And right now that spine has been broken. And right now we're just like a team without a spine. And that means we can't stand properly. You know, we can't function properly without that spine. And no other team in the Premier League would be able to cope with this. So I don't think you can really blame club. No other team in the world would be able to cope with this injury crisis. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think you can really blame club with that. I think it's the high standard that you set over the last four years. And that's why, you know, everyone expects so much from the manager, from the players. One player that we expect a lot from is Alisson, because when he came into the Premier League, at, at, at first it felt like, how are we even going to get past this guy? We can't even score. Um, he has been consistent. He has been very good. He's, you know, you can put your, your success down to him also coming in. Um, but we saw him make some ridiculous errors against City. Um, so, Obu, what happened to Alisson? Well, I can't actually tell you what happened to him, but my dad always tells me that nobody is perfect. And Alisson is a human being as well, like me and you. And he made the mistake. I think the first one was a ripple effect that created the second and fourth one. Because if you've played football before, you know that even as a defender, when you make a mistake, you have this, your head will be gone. You know, you'll be like, man, I let my team down. And I feel like Alison had that like attitude or had that feeling when he made the first mistake. Then for the second one, he was a little bit, you know, lazy or ignorant or was just, then he made the second one. And from there, his head was just gone. But in the normal day, I would feel Alison would save Foden's fourth goal. But it just wasn't his day, man. But at the same time, I can't critique Alison. Alison was part of was a piece of a team that gave me some of the greatest moments of my life. So I can't really critique him like that. But yeah, it was very unfortunate. Yeah, it, it was especially for the, the folding goal. I actually expected him to make that save because he's a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, Olu, <laughs> before we before we um got together to record this particular part was something that I felt. You know, this was screaming for Olumide. <laughs> so, who needs, who needs to do more in this team? <laughs> Sorry, I'm too excited. <laughs> who needs to do more in, in, uh, in this current Liverpool, um, Liverpool team? The midfielders or the attackers? How do I even start? <laughs> How do I start? But, but yeah, I'll try to leave it by my rant. All right, so, um, yeah... Um, First off, uh, like um, my my the last season I enjoyed really like when I mean I enjoyed I enjoyed my team like attacking wise was um, that was two seasons ago, right? Um, last season we won the league. When I say two seasons ago, that was that was season that we won the Champions League. So t- last season we won the league, but like if you're a Liverpool fan, you watch our games. You, as an our team, our attack was not really um we didn't have that bite fine we, we used to have individual moments here and there but there wasn't bite in the attack and that's not the fault of the attack so i feel i feel our system actually limits our attack now i, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't know if that's because Klopp is Klopp learned to work with um work with um 
work to the best of, of, of his midfielder's abilities. That's the ones at his disposal. Yeah, so I wouldn't know if it's that or if it's because club just chose to um, make use of Trent and Robo more. Really, I, I think there are some players that um, divide opinion. There are players that you, some sections of the fans will say, uh, we don't really see what this guy is doing. And another section is saying that he's crucial to the team. Same thing with Chelsea when you look at someone like Mason Mount, where some people, half of us were like, oh, what's he doing? Money Mace. Money Mace, thank you. But um, I, I, I don't know. Genie is just someone that divides opinion. And I'm not sure if we're ever going to come to an agreement here. Um, the last bit on this, on this segment is, uh, I think Ovo mentioned his answer at the start, but I'll still give him a chance to maybe reconfirm that answer. But I'll start with you, Olumide. Can Liverpool still win the league? Yes, sir. <laughs> Obviously oh. not. Are you having a laugh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking a question. <laughs> okay. You're having a laugh, man. <laughs> okay. Um, Ovo, do you share that opinion, sir? Yeah, I don't think we can win the league. Sadly. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Um. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, guys. It was nice having you on 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 the show. And I'm looking forward to continuing this banter. Um. Maybe on future episodes and all. Since I know that yeah, I have two Liverpool fans that have oppo- opposing views. I would always try to bring you guys together and you know, cause more wahala. Like I said, it's a bit strange to see Liverpool struggle. We knew it was going to be tough to defend their title because no team has done it in the recent past, but we also did not expect it to be this terrible at this point in the season. And we also thought that they had enough quality to at least mount a serious defence campaign against all of the other teams in the league. But they are losing against teams such as Brighton at home. So it's very obvious that you know, there's something going on at Anfield. In game week 23, we saw Arsenal lose again. Ateta really, really needs to start getting those points because the season is well underway at this point. And if he seriously wants to go and play European football at the start of next season, he's going to need to bring those points for the team. Because as we know, they're out of the FA Cup and that was usually their short ticket to play European football. Manchester United also do 3-3 with Everton, which was probably my least favorite game in the game week. Um, I felt that we, we being Manchester United, could have gotten those points. But a last-minute goal, a last-minute free-kick goal, made it so that the points were shared. Um, the game was dramatic right up until the end. It was a really riveting game, but it didn't go our way, unfortunately. Babiji and Chooks captured the reactions from fans and friends on all the exciting action from Game Week 23. Hi, guys. It's glad to be back here again discussing the beautiful game of football. Today, Babiji joins me on this segment and we'll be looking at the actions from the just-concluded Game Week 23. Babiji, how are you doing today? Hey, Jokes, I'm good. It's great to be back. You guys sucked me because I'm not doing well on FPL. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, look at good. I'm, I'm, I'm back in top 100 in my league. And <laughs> but yeah, like you said, it was, it was a loaded game week and he started out brilliantly for Aston Villa, even in the very first minute when Oli Watkins scored that um, 
a very swift goal after a comedy of errors in the Arsenal defence. Um, well, we spoke to ODT, a very, very conk supporter of Arsenal and also a Bielsa fan. And here's what he had to say. Arsenal. To be honest, I'm tired of Arsenal. I'm getting tired of Arsenal. I mean, they have these patterns where they're playing good football and they play, they dominate each match. The last two matches Arsenal have played, they've been unlucky. They've been dominating each match. They're dominating all these matches, but they're just not getting the end result. And that's because of individual mistakes. The first one was Luis being out of position for him to now lead to that red card he got. The second one was in this game against um, Villa, Cedric's mistake. So this tiny mistake cost us. Teams know how to defend against us. I mean, Pepe has been lethal. We've been doing that. I don't know why Arteta made that switch. We, we were in control of the game, then party injured. Also, Arsenal have problems with injuries. Martinelli, Tierney, all these guys are fantastic footballers, but injuries, it's just frustrating. And then we lost some games we shouldn't have lost at the end of the day because we're on a good spell. If we play like this for the games that we were losing um, earlier in the season, we'll be somewhere closer to the top of the league. We'll be closer to the top of the league. So it, it, it's quite frustrating, but I don't know what it is, but it, it's everyone's picked up results. Everyone dropped results during the week. As Villa's one leads one, I mean, I mean, in 11th position, it's not even... It's the bottom half of the table. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, that's that's that's, that's how we ask now. I mean, Athletic that just has to... We've got now, we've got tough fixtures coming. How do we now approach this matter? It's, 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 it's a matter of we just have to do what's right. Well, it, it actually seemed like Arsenal were back at some point, but with that result, it looks like they've gone back and they need to go back to revisit the drawing board yet again. However, moving forward quickly to the game that took place at Turf Moor where Brighton, who have been on such an inspired run of games, if you ask me, were hosted by Burnley. And, and this one was one that I was so happy when I woke up because I woke up to see that Louis Dunk had scored and I just brought him in after listening to uh, Rewards Advice on the last episode that he could be a goal scorer. <laughs> I was so happy, like, I was so excited. The problem now is they ended up not keeping a clean sheet, which they had done in, in a couple of games. But it's one of those things. I was just disappointed the way they considered in the end. Yeah, you, before, before I even get into the Brighton game, you said you spoke about Arsenal. Um, looking like they were back, and that's just how the whole season has been generally. A lot of inconsistent teams, and that's why you see the only team that that stayed up and said, "I'm going to be consistent," are currently top in the league with games in hand and everything. So, so yeah, disappointing on on the side of um of Arsenal, and just like ODC said, also it was really good to see that Grealish most of the um, goal scoring and assist responsibility was lifted off Grealish in that last game with Watkins scoring that was making it three goals in three games for 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 a very hard-working striker and an assist from Bertrand Traore who has gone under the radar this season but has done very well. But yeah, going to Brighton, they've done they, they've been on a good run. They had um, four clean sheets leading up to that game, and these clean sheets included clean sheets against Liverpool, Spurs. So it was really, it was really, it's really, really, it was really, really an impressive record. So going down to that good morning, um, good morning goal must have been very um, difficult for Potter. I felt um, their pain. What, did they, what, what, what did you say? I, I could feel their pain really, like not just for my, <laughs> exactly, exactly. but for them as a team as well. 
same. Yeah, it was it must have been very very disappointing. But if they can if they continue like this, they just might they might just retain their place again in the league. However, moving on from that Brighton Burnley game to one of the most exciting games this weekend, personally for me, um, that time on Newcastle side managed to hold out to one goal lead in that five goal thriller at St James Park and. Well, it's just going. It's going bad for Southampton, from bad to worse. Last year, after the nine-nil defeat to Leicester, they were able to come back in the next game, but it, it was not the same. It was not the same for them, and they they, they find themselves now sitting in twelfth position after a very very good start. Good start to the season. They've lost their last six games. <laughs> that's 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 horrible form. That's relegation form. Very, very ridiculous. And, really. Yeah, so it, it was good seeing the likes of Minamino show that yeah, if you give him games, he'll probably get get in on the goals. It was a really beautiful goal. I love the way he took his goal. But one man who definitely had the worst week of his life was Jean Bednarek as he, he deflected yet another another goal into the net. I I really wonder what 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 <laughs> what the way forward is for them. Really, like if if I was Jan Bednarik, I would actually walk up to my manager and, and ask him to to rest me for a game or something. Because back to back <laughs> goals, really. Well, I I don't I don't think the one against Newcastle was counted as an own goal for for him though. It was a it was a brace for for Almiron instead, and that 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 that's a man who was known for his goal drought, but he seems to have, he seems to have turned the corner now. Yeah, it's it's just sad to see that the Southampton seem to be crumbling after losing many of their players due to injury. But it's good that they're having those players, those first team players, return one by one. Hopefully, when the team is full and fit, they they'll turn back to winning ways as as we saw earlier in the season. Well, Fulham yeah. West Ham ended in a very surprising goalless draw. For a game that many people tipped West Ham and Antonio to get the better of Fulham. <laughs> well, we caught up with his, a West Ham fan. If you listen, you'd know. <laughs> and this was his thoughts about the game. Good afternoon, guys. My name is Ohis. I'm a West Ham fan. And it's always good to be here on this pod. I like what you guys are doing. Keep keep up keep up the good work. So I'm here to give my thoughts on the Fulham versus West Ham game. The truth is, I didn't watch the game. I was out that day, but I've seen extended highlights. I've seen various camera views of Thomas Suchek's, um red card decision by Mike Dean and Limesi because that was the most exciting thing <laughs> that happened in that game. I always tell people that the best time to play relegation threat sides at the beginning of the season and the first two months of the second half of the season. So I'm glad that we're playing Fulham and West, I'm sorry, Fulham and Sheffield United before we get to the business end of the season. That's the last eight to ten games. Fulham were never going to be easy. They should us paper in the first um, game we played at London Stadium. I mean, they, they almost nicked a draw if not for Lukman's naivety by playing the Panyeka. But about Saturday's game, I'll just say that we were lucky to go home with a point. Fulham were also lucky to go home with a point. It was anyone's game. We both came out to play ball. And I'll say a draw was just a fair result. And looking at the next games, 
we have Sheffield, Spurs, and Manchester City. I just hope Moyes knows what he's doing because we've had bad luck against playing the top six sides this season. We only have two points. And I feel it's because we miss a lot of chances. Because in all these games, we always have chances. But we miss them. Especially when Antonio doesn't bang in goals. Thank you. Well, well, well. Moving on to an even more disappointing draw, which was the game at Old Trafford. It hurts me to speak about this game, really. Bro, 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 it was it was so disappointing. It was so so disappointing. At 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 soon at Tony, we had we had the game for the taking. It seemed like we were just gonna wrap it up in the in the in the in the second half ball. Um Ames Rodriguez with a beautiful goal. David De Gea, that horrible error. I, I, I think I think David De Gea's time as a top goalkeeper is was is well passed. We've just been we've been we've been covering the cracks over over what, what what has been an illustrious career for for the Spanish goalkeeper but yeah he, he, that that that's that horrible defender I don't expect it from a goalkeeper who is, who, who is just upcoming I don't expect that from a goalkeeper who is just coming putting so the ball in the such experience he's been so much experience yeah oh, yeah all, all he all he had to do was punch that ball any other place any other place apart from where he did and Dukure Dukure snapped up and and got in on the goal. Ahmed Rodriguez was actually having a very, very bad game. He was missing missing his passes, wasn't connecting. But I mean, once a quality player is a quality player, he brought that ball down and finished it beautifully. And even when Scott McTominay um, tried to try um, bring United back into the game with three two, the defense again switched off in the last minute. Combination of errors from Tuanzebi because he should not be making the foul at that point in time. He was so needless. Then Maguire, the captain himself, okay. I, we've, I've, we've had this conversation so many times on whether Maguire is captain material for Manchester United. I'm not only saying it just because of this incident, but I just, I just don't see, I just don't see him as as captain material because you can't, you can't be shouting on me to keep an outside line if. If you the you don't know how to keep line. keep oh, exactly yeah it's it's it, it's hilarious and we saw it with Wan Bissaka too Wan Bissaka so many times this season has not been able to maintain an offside line and that that's that should that should really come from when aside when the captain in, is in defence that's the last thing you want to be seeing from your team a, a player not sticking to where you're shouting that hey this is the offside line. So yeah, it was really, really disappointing. But Bruno again, beautiful goal. He, he just he just keeps yeah. doing his own thing. He might he might he might have his bad run of form, which every player actually has if we're being honest. But he just keeps doing his own thing and was a very beautiful goal, reminiscent of uh, Cantona's Cantona's chip as well. Uh, so yeah, it's crazy. United United it's crazy. just yeah. What yeah, you say? at the game and and. It's just crowded by the fact that United ended up drawing the game. You almost forget how beautiful that goal was. Oh yeah, that, that it was it was a beautiful goal, really. Even the, even the goal for even Cavani's goal as well. The um, cross from Rashford was sublime. Like you, you could tell that that was something that they done in training because Rashford didn't need more than a moment to look up and see where Cavani would be, not where he was. Exactly. Where he would be, and he put he put he put the ball just 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 right there, and Cavani is so good with his head. So yeah, it was, there were beautiful goals scored by United, but it was a case where the defense led the attack down. Yeah, I must say, the goals in that game were were something out of the top top draw, if you ask me. But 
it's all good. He ended in a draw and we got just one point instead of three. However, Tottenham, who suffered a little bit of a bleep, uh, kind of back after welcoming Harry Kane back to the fold. And it was clear that his presence has, has been truly missed as, as when he came and played in this game, they went on, well, he contributed a goal, so on as well, and they won Big Sam's West Bromwich Albion. Well, O'Hiz, who is a lover of Jose Mourinho, was here with us again, and here was what he had to say about the game. Good afternoon, guys. Is O'Hiz here again on the pod? Uh, well, I'm not a sports fan, but I'm a Mourinho sexual. I've been a Mourinho fanboy since 2004 Champions League um, season, the 2003-2004 Champions League season. So I want to share my thoughts on the Spurs versus West Brom game. I was actually in a babe's house that day. I went to sell um, internet to her, so I just saw the game briefly. Actually, the first part of the second half and towards the last part of the first half. And I just want to say that as a salesman, if you have a target, if you have KPIs, I feel you should just dwell on that and not allow the media to push you to the wall. I see no reason why Harry Kane started that match because Mario was signed to Spurs not to make top four, even if he's a plus. He was signed to win silverware. Here you have an FA Cup time midweek. You are in the final of a League Cup and you are in the Europa League playing against Wolfsberger later this month. And you are risking your best player, the person that your team... Um, revolves around. I told people that whether Mourinho plays Dele Ali or not, I doubt um, Dele Ali will give you the number of assists and goals. That's the goal contributions Hurricane is doing right now. Dele Ali is a fine player, not taking anything away from him, but I'm saying in Kane's new role, he's the most important midfielder and is the most important striker in the Tottenham Hotspur side. And for Mourinho to risk him for that game, I was very annoyed because he's a West Brom team that teams are finishing off because West Brom is a team that will always concede goals. It's just a matter of, can you shut them out from scoring the same number of goals as you? And that was the problem Wolves faced when they played West Brom and they played a five-goal thriller. So I'm very annoyed. Yes, it's three points in the bag, but I just feel like this over-dependence of Kane, when you are gunning for three trophies, the EFL Cup, the FA Cup, and the Europa, UEFA Europa League, which Mourinho has never lost when he has participated, is really annoying me. He won it in 03, he won it in 2017. 03, he won it when he was in the UEFA Cup with FC Porto and 2017 Manchester United. Manchester United's last trophy to date. So I feel like if Mario gets K injured again, the blame is on him, the blame is on Levi, the blame is on the board, and they should not really care about what the media does or says. Because if Mario makes top 10, not top 6, not top 4, and he wins three trophies, Daniel Levi will give him a contract extension for the next three years and he can make top four for the rest part of his contract. Thank you. I'm a bit gutted because seeing Kane on the lineup against West Bromwich Albion really annoyed me. <laughs> you could feel you could feel the, the, the passion, the anger coming from from Oiz in, uh, in that in that in that um, in that in that in that recording. But I, I don't I don't agree with him that Kane shouldn't have been rixed in this game. Tottenham with down bad. That's what I'll say. They were down bad. They were, they were, they, they were looking for inspiration from anywhere. And Mourinho, Mourinho needed his big man back. And you could see that he got, he got the, the team ticking again. Got Son back in the goals. And 
but yeah, what you see here is that Tottenham might now be turning to a one-man team. Yeah. But at this point in time, at this point, at this, at this point in time in this season, I don't. I, I think I think you just need to get the points in on board anyhow possible. But yeah, his fears fear are actually actually valid and 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 all. But yeah, moving from that game, Wolves hosted um, Leicester City at Molineux, a game which tends to be very very exciting. If you remember, Diego Jota's first hat trick for Wolves in a four three draw, um, four three win for for Leicester rather. Um, there was not a lot to talk about actually in that game, but if you're a Jamie Vardy fan in your FPL, he, he made a comeback and. He just means that the top two strikers in the FPL are back, and I'm sure some of you are planning to get get him back in your team. Yeah, definitely. I I know once Vardy got injured, I had to sell him. But at this point, I need to make that decision if you bring back Harry Kane, bring in Harry Kane or Jamie Vardy. Well, the game of should I say the game of the weekend, the game that's on everyone's lips was the clash of the Titans that saw Liverpool get lashed four goals to one by Manchester City. Well, somehow I predicted this scoreline correctly just before. Bro, oh, I saw, I, saw, I saw that shit and I was like, oh, how did, how did you pull that off? Well, I don't know. I saw, I saw rewards prediction 3-1 and I sat down and some sort of inspiration just fell on me and I'm like, well, it's going to be four. Let me just add one more. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, it's it's somewhat that game was somewhat reminiscent of the the clash they had towards the end of last season, where Liverpool were already champions, and Foden tweeted that they will be ready this season. It kind of showed us that Man City is actually set and ready compared to the other teams, even the defending champions, for this season. And that goal from Theo Foden was definitely something to talk about. That's something yeah, that I imagine yeah, Greenwood should be doing, like just cutting on your left and hit it. He hits it hard, true, and with so much venom. <laughs> I, I don't think I listened to the chance with that one. So, <laughs> no, he didn't. Try with the form he was on. Uh, not, yeah, he was already having a comedy of errors. Very bad thing, yeah. Goals. However, we caught up with ODT again. And he was keen to share his thoughts and talking points of the game from a city point of view. Hi, my name is Okpoluadakwa Thomas. Um, first of all, I'm an Arsenal fan originally, but my heart belongs to Man City. Manchester is blue. Pep Guardiola is the best. I, I really don't know what else it is. How can I describe that man? I have run out of superlatives to describe that man. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming, but Pep Guardiola is, my, is the love of my life. That man just makes me enjoy football. I love what he does with all his teams, since Barcelona, since Bayern Munich, see what he's doing Man City. By God's grace, I'm saying by God's grace, <laughs> this might be the third league in five years. This man, people thought he was deluded when he came to the league. But now look at them dominating the league easily. No goals, they're not conceding goals. I mean, if not for that phony Salah penalty, they've gone a lot of games without conceding. I mean, they're doing well. Turn John Stones. See what he's done. See what he's done with John Stones. Look at what he's done with Chancello. Look at what he's done with all the players. Folding. Oh my God, that boy is a genius. Absolutely wonderful genius. That boy is. A, that boy. They have a two hundred million pounds player on their hands. They have a two hundred million pounds player. On their hands. That that guy is a superstar. I mean, England will have to start him in the Euros. There is no even debate about that. There is no debate about that. 
England need holding. But Man City, let's just talk about Man City. Man City are exceptional. They played Liverpool. Yes, people were talking about us. Alisson made mistakes, but the, the mistakes Alisson makes were, 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 were a result of Man City's pressing. Yes, and pressing is a process of tactics. If you are holding back, sitting back, like some people I know in the other side of London, and you are defending, you won't be able Alisson would have made those errors. So at the end of the day, you look at it, it's part of Pep. It's part of Pep's, Pep deserves credit for that. He deserves credit for what he's done with all these guys. Look at what he's doing with Gundogan. Gundogan is looking like one of the most advanced strikers in the league. But he's not. So it's, I mean, the guy is just a genius. Well, it's good to see that a team is actually taking the league serious. Even though I wish that team was not the blue side of Manchester. If it was red, I'd be happy. Well, <laughs> just... Just, just so that I like what Okwen, Okwen, uh, Okwen Lua, Dakwa Thomas, because that's what ODT means. Um, he, 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 he was really, was really uh, full of praises for, for Pep Guardiola, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him because that man has been under, will I, will I say he's been, he's been underappreciated since he got to the Premier League. He's been called a checkbook manager, but we just really need to dub, dub the cup for him. Is is a man who says this is my philosophy and he must play in everywhere I go. He's, he, he, people claim Van Dijk is out and everything is out, but City have Aguero and De Bruyne out. These are players that you didn't think would not play for City and they'll still be able to pull off a result like 4-1 against Liverpool. So now kudos to kudos to Pep and okay, as much as it's hard to, to admit, Manchester currently is looking blue. Yeah, it's it's sad for me for me to be listening and agreeing with that, but it's a reality <laughs> we have on ground at this time. Well, Chelsea have continued their resurgence under Thomas Tuchel. Well, he seems to have set up his team to deliver results. As I remember the first game where he tried out a new formation, which was kind of confusing. For first game, you're just out not to lose then you can build from that result. Because I don't think he had enough time to even meet with the team or train with them ahead of that game. Well, the game was, was one that people tipped McGoldrick to, <laughs> to do one on Chelsea, as he always does. But <laughs> that didn't happen. However, we saw a very, very calamitous own goal from Antonio Rudiger. Well... That aside, we saw from Timo Werner provide two assists. Assists yet again, but no goals yet as the search still continues. Well, Timmy was happy to take the result like that, whether there was an own goal or not. And here is what he had to say. Hi, guys. I'm Tim Lennon. I'm a Chelsea supporter to the core. Um, yeah, basically about this, about the match, the last match, Sheffield United Chelsea. I think it was good to have a feel of um, getting results, no matter the performance. I think that's one thing the team probably lacked under the previous manager. We we struggled, though. I wasn't impressed by the performance personally, but because of the results, it's something we can still reflect on, like going into the next matches, like against Bouncy, then Newcastle. Even the rotation, personally, I feel will really help in motivating the players to be honest. And I think the current manager, Tuchel, is trying to, not trying to, he's actually handling that very well, like trying to satisfy many people at the same time. 
because we can say he didn't allow some players he didn't allow any player leave basically during the January transfer window players like Jay Wood and Gilmore and Co. So he's just trying to build on something and it was also good to have this feel of Timo Werner contributing again to the goals like he did at Tottenham Hotspur last week. So it's it's a good ride we are having. It's a good ride. Um, I'm looking forward to see how it goes from there. Yeah, that was that was that was great from 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 Timmy. He he made it he made it clear. Although there's there's one or two things I I would like to take out from what he said. Yeah, when I when I got into is for the past two three games, it seems he's trying to get back his way into into contributing for the team. That, why that's not bad? The truth is that he was signed for goals. That's the truth. So you can hide under under um, what is currently doing, but the truth is at the end of the day, he's still going to be judged for. For, for the goals he's going to score. Hopefully he might this um the the goal contributions in the past couple of games might assist him in in getting getting to that, that level of scoring. Yeah, that confidence level again. But for now it's not it's really not been good from um Timo Timo Wen and I'm sure he knows that as well. But yeah, Tuchel Tuchel Tuchel, Tuchel has done well. He's coming, he's he's trying to stabilize things and it, it seems to be working out for him so far, so far. Well, he, he, apart from Mourinho, a Mourinho kinless inspired Tottenham, um, we're still here to see him, see him go up against against the real test. So well, I'll be looking, I'll be looking closely towards that. But yeah, finally moving on to Leeds and Crystal Palace. You can't miss, you can't just miss a Leeds game this season because you're you're guaranteed, you're guaranteed um, excitement, entertainment. Always at both ends of the pitch. Whenever yeah, you... at both ends of the pitch. But but Bielsa, Bielsa seemed to get his tactics spot on in this last game as he was able to minimize the threat coming from them, those Crystal Palace dangerous and tricky footballers in AZ and Co. And um they the attacking play really paid off against against Palace and Palace really, really found it difficult to defend to defend against it. One man this season that you just have to um Praise is Bamford because I expected Rodrigo to actually overtake him as the top nine one when he was signed from um, Valencia. But apparently Bamford has stuck in and he does his job and he's he's been scoring goals. He's been scoring goals and he keeps on scoring. So yeah, I'm sure if you own him in FPL, you'll be very very excited. Yeah. But another man who's been who's been consistent all throughout the season is Todd Dallas. He's sometimes he's been played everywhere, everywhere around around the pitch. He's been played in defense, he's been played in midfield, but he still delivers the point. And also Rafinha as well got an assist in that in that game week. So he just he wrapped up a very good attacking game week, um, generally. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and the game week was really interesting. The twists, the turns, the last minute goals, everything quite interesting. Even though it's sad yeah, it for was. United to be on the receiving end of those, <laughs> those last many goals. That is our signature, Bamichi. That is yeah, our it's, signature. It's, it's, no, it, it's, really, it's really sad how games end for United. Especially when we're just one goal, one goal up. It's always a a heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching event. And that, that, that's not, it's not fair to do to your fans almost all the time. But Ole, Ole, Ole needs more. Ole, the truth is that for Ole to actually be successful at United, he needs it. He needs time. He needs time and patience. But the question is, will United fans give him that? Well, 
I hope they do because I'm really, really looking forward to what he can do. He has shown that he can build an attack that actually works. The defense is still shaky yeah. and, and individual errors are costing us. So if he can get... Truth, truth, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to tell you, Maguire is a stumbling block. <laughs> and I'm going to explain why. Because because of his fee, because of the fact that he's captain, it seems undroppable. Yeah. But the truth is that we we don't we don't know we don't know what Lindelof and Bay can actually give us. We yeah. don't know. We've never actually seen them play a consistent couple of games, and I I doubt we might never be able to see that. So yeah, Maguire, even though he's not done, it just that he's not done so badly. He's not done so badly, but still, you just feel he can do much better than what he produces sometimes. That's right. Leaving everybody on side, um, um, Dominic Cavalloon was that really, was, really frustrating. Was, was frustrating to see. You don't expect that from a senior, from a senior defender, talking of the captain of the team. team. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. So, so it it was really disappointing, and I think is a stumbling block in that defense because they, they haven't talked in the summer that Ole is looking to to get another defender. Uh, but the question is, will he bench Maguire? Because of the because of the fee, because of the captaincy, I don't I don't think so. That's actually a very tough question for Ole and the coaching staff. But what needs to be done has to be done, if you ask me. Well, with that, yeah. we'll be wrapping up this review segment. Bamiji was nice having you here again to discuss the beautiful game. And Thank for you, everyone Thank listening, you. stay tuned because FPL tips for double game week twenty four comes up next. Bye for now. As we all know, Reward loves to talk about FPL. He's always talking about the stats, the differentials, and all of that FPL stuff. This week, he sat down with the number one FPL player in Nigeria to provide us tips for Game Week 24. And hopefully, we listen, and hopefully, we imbibe all of those so that maybe we can also become serious FPL players. Welcome back to the final segment of the Empty Stands podcast. I'm Reward, and I have some amazing guests with me today from the Galacticos FPL League. Um, Jerry, hi, how's it going? Hi, Reward. Thank you. How are you doing, Tom? All right. Blaze, what's up now? How are you doing? Uh, it's good to be here. I'm good. I had to reserve this introduction for last because um, it's not every day that you encounter royalty. Can we have a drum roll, please? <laughs> drum roll. Uh, before you say anything, uh, you know, I, I introduced him to Galacticos, and I think I gave birth to his uh, FPL career. So I also deserve some accolades. You did. Yeah, we don't want that, Gucci. Okay, so we have Buchi here, and guess what, guys? Buchi is currently ranked number one in Nigeria. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he's number one in Nigeria, and he's currently 54th overall in the world. So welcome, sir. How's it going? <laughs> Apparently, it's going very, very, very well, as you can see. Um, yeah, so my name is Buchi. Uh, my team name is Average Team, currently number one in, in Nigeria. Fantastic to be there. Fantastic to be there. I want to take out some time to say shout out to Bamford and Dallas for always coming through for the boy. 
Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> they are the reason I nicked him just one point ahead of uh, the other guy that is second right now in Niger. And I'm just taking like 50,000 screenshots of this moment. So I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, welcome once again, guys. So, we'll be discussing yeah. um, the double game week 24. Um, transfer targets, chip strategies, captaincy, and much more. So let's get right into it. Jerry, what do you think we should do with West Ham players? Um, I think Antonio got a knock and is a doubt for the double game week. And I know West Ham also don't have double game weeks in a double game week in 26. What do you think we should do with them? Should we get rid of them or keep? Um, my opinion, um, I don't know if I'm willing to give opinion here since the number one guy in Nigeria is here, but I'll just <laughs> just chip in my 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 um little contributions. Um, so um for West Ham, I don't think we should get rid of their target. Um for example, Antonio, Antonio's um injury has been stated as fatigue. So I think he's gonna play unless something else comes up. And the strength of the opposition is also something we should look at. Um yes, Sheffield. Apart from the fact that they are the, um, the worst team right now in the league, they they are very defensive and we know how solid they are at the back. But I feel like if there's any team that any team that can unlock them, it has to be a team like West Ham. You know, they are not the man city that will try to pass and find a way through and then maybe get the goal and it's difficult to get another goal. West Ham are very direct, they, they, they use headers. I mean, it's going to be a very tough battle for Sheffield to keep them at bay. Um, 90 minutes, and we have um, people like Shushek who are very good in the air, Antonio who is very good in the box. So I don't think it's a good idea to get rid of the athletes. Maybe having more than two, maybe maybe a risk because Sheffield are a team that can actually score. They can actually um, they are also like very good um, on set pieces, so they can get the goal and score the clean sheets. But I don't think they should get rid of one West Ham then the other factor is the fact that the double game week teams are not um, very enticing going forward. You have one league, you have four. I don't really know who you're going to pick in one league as an attacking option or four. Apart from maybe Lukman, you know, for those games. And the other games they have are tough games. So for me personally, I'll keep on turning. But I don't know what I'll do with uh, my defensive um, West Ham. Maybe I'll go for a one league defender since they have two games. And bench um, my defensive western option. All right, um, good stuff. Um, so, please, next question is for you. Um, Leeds, what do you think about their assets for the long run? Um, I know they have a double game week, and um, do you think we should get three Leeds players for the long run? And what are those <laughs> three players if we should do? <laughs> I've, I've actually been very unlucky with predictions uh, in the last uh, three weeks. Uh, from stock prediction to going down on FPL to Arsenal also going down. So <laughs> I think I I put my hands down, destined to, <laughs> to really <laughs> rock bottom. But for Leeds, uh, I think uh, six goals in the last three games, uh, but only one clean sheet in, uh, in the last, uh, would I say five or so. But they, uh, it's a hit and miss with them. But Bamford for starters is a must have for every home. But if you look at it, I actually don't have Bamford. So yes, he is, is a good addition. He'll be a good addition to my team. Um, 
Dallas is like Bucci said earlier, is like a, an exceptional player this season. He's like the launch triumph of yeah, exactly. last season, right? Uh, he's currently playing an attacking role, but he's um, he a defender. FPL, yeah. meaning he'll give you the six points for clean sheets and uh, more points for assist or goal. So, yeah, so Bamford Dallas makes sense. Then another player I've actually you know been fancying when I watch. Um, Leeds play uh, because of his attacking trends, strength and his energy and all is uh, Harrison. But I wouldn't want to risk getting any of these three players in my team at the same time because um, Leeds, uh, they, they could actually lose to Sheffield, you know, <laughs> and win uh, West Ham. is a hit and miss with them. Uh, but their next couple of games, uh, they're playing Arsenal. Arsenal has been you know, kind of good defensively. They miss, make silly mistakes, but you don't expect Leeds to come and you know, hit Arsenal with two goals or three goals. Um, then they, are, uh, they have two... Two games next uh, after this game week. I think they have two games coming up. So uh, maybe adding an extra uh, least player temporarily just for you know that double game week because uh, I think they are the only person. They are the only team with um, very good fixtures. They are the only team with double game week next week. Them and Southampton. So uh, because they are home, I think I'll favor and Southampton have not been doing so well. So I'll favor having a third least player, but just temporary uh, till. Uh, that game week is over and you get the person off. They're playing Wolves and Southampton. Yeah, you can see uh, Dallas assisting and Harrison assisting and Bamford definitely scoring a goal or two within the double game week. He is even a, a likely captain candidate for uh, game week 25. Uh, that's if we don't get to add, uh, if FPL does not get to add more um, double game week for that game week 25. But uh, that's it for me and least players. Uh, I I I only I only go with the Bamford and Dallas for now. Then Harrison for game two five. Interesting. Um, Bucci, what do you think about Burnley players? Um, according to FPL Twitter, they look like the must-haves heading into double game week twenty four. Um, I I'm even I've even heard of rumors that people think of triple captaining um, Nick Pope, the goalkeeper. What are your thoughts on Burnley players for double game week twenty four? <laughs> People think of uh, Triple Captain and Nick Pope. Okay, I, I think that's not all well and good, but personally, I wouldn't go crazy when it comes to the Burnley players. I think after um, after the next three games, they have a, a not so decent run of, form where they, run of games where they still have to play uh, Arsenal, Leicester, what have you, right? So they are not long term keeps for me. So for, for that reason, I will not triple up on them in terms of having three, three players, right? So because if I do that, then in 25, I have to remove them for somebody. And then 26 is going to be a double game week, potentially. Um, they will take up too much room. I think the opportunity cost is just too high to own too many Burnley players. I'll look at Lotto. If that's the right uh, pronunciation, that is like yeah, 4.4. Yeah, I yeah. think it's 4.4 now, yeah. Yeah, so 4.4, 4.5, is, is, I think it's very decent to bring in. And then he plays all the games. So no attacking threat from him, definitely. But you're just looking at getting hopefully one, one or two clean sheets, right? And then if something miraculous, if it's a 0-0 zero, zero game, then you can potentially get a, a, a bonus point, right? But uh, when it comes to the midfield, personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, prescribe getting uh, someone from their midfield. Again, they, are, they don't have high-scoring midfielders. Plus, again, the opportunity could be too much. You know, you take, bringing in somebody from their midfield, 
you wouldn't want to play that guy on in a single game week, right? So in 25 or 26, you wouldn't want to play that guy. So you're just going to hold on to an asset that is above 5.3 in terms of cost, and then you're not playing him. And besides, you have guys like uh, Gudogan and the rest of them that can that can do a lot. Right? And then uh, when it comes to their strikers, Chris Wood, he <laughs> might be the only person that you want to bring in in their front line. That's it, he's even fit. I don't know if it's fit. Yeah, Burnley was scoring more than two goals in those two games. Exactly. So my thought is they're not going to score a lot. So if you want if you want to bring in any Burnley player, especially I've got a lot in already to my team, right? I'm not going to bring in uh, Nick Pope because I'll have to remove him after two games because I don't believe in having two playing goalkeeper. Right. So I'm I'm good with Lotin at the moment. Um, then I'll look elsewhere for someone that person having a double game with probably end up in a something. Okay, so looking at your teams currently, what are your double game with 24 transfer targets? I'll start with you, Jerry. Uh, double game with 24. Okay, um, I think I'll go for um, defensive goalie options. Um, then man, the attacking options, obviously. At least, maybe just two pairs of Man City. I don't think I'll triple up on Man City players because I'm always very aware of Pep's rotation. So I don't really see how I can successfully get three players from his team that played through those matches. But yeah, having two Man City options, one um, only um, defensive option, I think I'll stay off um, Fulham. I'm not really sure what they can offer. Yeah, just everything, yes. Um, if this year is fit, I'll keep him. I currently have him, so I'll keep him. Keep him, have two master options and one more defensive option. Please, you share same sentiments? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, I, you know, before now, I think almost everybody has uh, tripled up on, on Man City, tripled up on Man City players. I'm even so sure that's a really just has players. two. <laughs> you are not sure who is going to play. You are not sure. So I, I have Ederson, who's my goalkeeper. I'm sure he's going to play those two games. I have John Stones. He did not play um, the midweek game, this yeah. Cup game. Uh, so he probably will start against Pauls, but I'm not sure he'll play against uh, Everton, right? Um, but I would, I can't sell him. <laughs> I need to have him there. Uh, then the, my third uh, master player is Sterling at the moment. I, sh- I I'm, again, I'm going to leave him. He, uh, he played with Gudigan this uh, FA Cup game. I don't think I will swap him with Gudigan. I'll just leave him there. I've had faith. Uh, I've had uh, uh, Sterling faith for a while, and uh, this is his last week in my team. If he's not going to do anything this game week, then I'm selling, shipping him off. For Burnley, I got in the is it the left back um, or the right back? Uh, a Burnley defender. I think uh, as soon as they announced uh, when they announced the double game week, I just prepped and I I got the guy in just for uh, to double up, uh, not double, just to have a Burnley uh, player that is playing the double game week or to have a defender that can give me more than uh, six points. Uh, therefore. Uh, another thing that I was attempting to risk before this FA Cup game was uh, triple captain or captain um, uh, this year, but I heard I hear he's injured. He might end up playing just one of the games, and uh, back to the drawing board for me for who to captain. But I'm not going to bring in any other person. I have an Everton player already, three Manchester players, and a Burnley player. So there's no change I'm making as regards um, this double game week. Uh, 
another thing I'm thinking of risking is taking off Ederson and putting in um, Ariola because Ederson might concede in one of these games, and I think uh, Fulham might keep a clean sheet in one of the games. So the game where Fulham would concede and uh, Ederson would concede, I think uh, the Fulham goalkeeper might uh, have more saves than Ederson. So that is another decision I will need to make before um, Saturday. Interesting. Uchi, what do you think? Yeah, so for me, again, I'll bring you one bunny player, which is nothing is fine. Um, for, for Everton, I was tempted to bring in Dini uh, for in the defence, but the challenge there is that after the first game, they have a, a bad run of fixtures coming up, right? So, and it's, it's quite expensive. Uh, yeah. So, I, I would say, yeah, if you're thinking of using your wildcard very soon, in the next two, three games, then go, go crazy with Dini and, you know, go crazy with all these uh, um, swaps for double game week for this week. But if you are not thinking of using it very soon, this is not an ideal double game week. I don't, I don't think the fixtures are very, very attractive. So I'll just keep it simple and have only maybe like four or five players that are playing double game week. So which is three Man City players, uh, one person from from um, Burnley, which is Lutton, and then either Nico or, or DCL, depending on who is who's fit. I'll do that, right, and then get them out the next week. Nice one. Um, so speaking up, speaking on wild cards, um, I know so much planning has to go into navigating the doubles and blanks that are upcoming. Um, we hear there's likely going to be like four double game weeks in a row, and we know there's a blank in game week 29. So speaking of cheap strategies now, um, how many chips do you currently have, and what's your cheap strategy <laughs> heading into this month? Jerry, I'll start with you again. <laughs> how many um, chips do you have left? I'm currently very confused on how to use my chips. Okay, I still have all my chips apart from Rick Free. What? Really? I use my second wild card, my bench boost, and double captain. Wow. Now, before, this is a very unique season, yeah. So, I, the plan was, okay, the plan was to use my bench boost the last um, double game week. That was um, double game week um, 19. But, yeah. Time caught up with me, so I couldn't rush it. Because I didn't like the options I was going to have on my bench, so I just left it all together. Now I'm aware there will be several other double game weeks, starting from the next week to, um, I think, the next two game weeks, then there's going to be a major one sometime in 31 or 32. So I'm really confused when to use my bench pools. <laughs> I'm just, I just have them. Even my one card, I don't know when. It's, I, I think I'm waiting for um, the brands to be back. Yeah. 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 I think uh, for, for me, the best, okay, generally, the best advice I can, I can give when it comes to chips at this particular season is to wait. So just wait it out, wait as long as you can to get as much information as you can before playing any of your chips or anything like that. This season is changing, things are changing, COVID and all that. All of a sudden, the cheese is giving uh, advice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It seems like yesterday that I was two point something million in the world. My point is, my point is this: right, wait as long as possible, and then for me, for the chips, I'm going to use my wild card 
towards the when I see the last or the last big um the last big double game week is when I'm going to use that because I foresee a lot of things changing with Champions League and all that. So I'm not going to play my wild card up until then. So for now, I might just be taking minus four points hit here and there, and then you know just 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 waiting it out. And that's what that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait, 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 wait to the final double game week, which I hear is a big one. If if the insights I'm getting from Jerry is correct, yeah. Interesting. So we've come to my favorite part of the show, and that's Captain C. Who are we captain in this game week? Jerry, I'll start with you once again. Who's your captain this double game week 24? I wish I can just give you a straight answer. Ah, you have it's to give me a straight answer. <laughs> It's between Bruno and 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 um Mundugan. Bruno has yeah. one game against Westbrook. You're going to captain a single game week player, really? Wow. Okay. Uh, but the thing is, um, Man City have injured defensive options now, so there's a possibility Mundugan sits deep, and I don't know if, if, it, if it makes sense because there's nobody else who can play that DM position if both Rodri and Fernandinho are out. So it, if it's if he sits back, it's a problem. West Ham, I, West Brom, I think, man, you can hold against. They don't know how to defend, even if they sit back. I've noticed that about them. They are not as compact as uh, maybe Burnley or Sheffield and Co. So even if they sit back, they don't have that position. So, man, you can really hold against them. And there's a possibility Bruno gets more points in that one game than Bruno can get in. So, it's still defensive. But if you ask me right now, it's going to go down. It might change, but it's going to go down. Please, how about you? Uh, this year, until I'm, uh, I hear about this, uh, how serious the news is. Okay. Uchi, who's your captain? I, I think uh, my, my, my captain is going to be Sterling. The reason is that I just think statistically, okay, he has two games, and then he has one good home game, decent home game, and then one away. I feel based on attacking threat, I'll, I'll put him ahead of uh, Gudogan. So it's either him or uh, Gudogan, but um, I, I foresee at least in one match, Gudogan playing a more reserved role and then um, Sterling going, going free, right? So I, I foresee Sterling playing nine, you know, as, as the top nine in one of these games, and then get them resting his suits in one of them. So I'll go with Jura instead, definitely. Personally, personally, just because I don't have Sterling, I'll go with Gudogan. Um, He's shown everything. I, I just feel with Gundogan, I just feel it's because he's um, mid-priced. Mid That's why people still have reservations about captaining him. If he was mm. if he was 12.5 or even higher or less than that, I'm sure nobody yeah, would be thinking yeah. twice about captaining him. But let's yeah, see how my, my, challenge, my challenge with Gundogan is that has never been a naturally high, high goal scoring. And yeah, but he's been, doing, he's been kicking it week after week. Shouldn't that... Um, Make a case for him. Every yeah, week. Case. Yeah. Let's say the maximum he has scored in a year is 10 goals. And now he has reached that 10 goals. <laughs> he has, he has, uh, he has uh, emptied his tank of goals for the for <laughs> Yeah, I might be wrong. Anyways, let's see how it goes. Well, I might just as well captain Nick Pope because <laughs> 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 I don't know what I'm thinking. This is a season to do anything. Anyways, um, here's a bit of advice to the guys. Um, we know we have FA Cup games this midweek, and um, 
really we just have to wait for as much information as we can get especially with injuries covid-19 scare and whatnot so i strongly recommend that you don't commit into making any transfers early just try and hold off a bit and get all the information you can get before um, the start of the game week and it was nice having you guys cheers that's it for this episode please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on any platform you listen on you can also follow us on twitter at the empty stand and send us a screenshot of your fpl team so we can either critique you hail you or just downright judge you have a fruitful game week everyone bye-bye Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Empty Stands Podcast. Well, welcome to our 30th episode. As well, I can say at this point, we've come a very long way since we started in September, and we appreciate everyone that has liked, subscribed, shared, and retweeted anything related to this podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Ohiz, Bamiji, and Ebuka, and we'll be looking at Game Week 25 which has ended and wasn't good. Well, it was good for a couple of our listeners. And we move on to UCL round of 16 first legs, as well as FPL preview of double game week 26. Yeah, I think it was a good game week for the people that listened to our last episode. I know we talked about uh, Bamford, Rafinha, Dallas, the lead assets that we're expecting, you know, people to triple up on. And, you know, I went with Rafinha as a captain and it was a very good decision. He delivered 12 points. Um, speaking about another player that delivered 12 points, Bruno Fernandes, you know, we talked about consistency and Bruno is right up there when you talk about a player that has been consistent since he came to Manchester United. Um, Bamiji, do you think United are in a position where they can really challenge City? Yes, City is running away with the lead. We know that. I think mentally, everyone has kind of switched off like, oh, I'm not really competing with these guys again. I'm trying to make top four. But there's still hope. And do you think United can actually challenge City for the title? Okay, so I'm going to be really, really blunt here not only as someone who is affiliated with United, but as a random football supporter is, is um, what's the word, is appalling that we're, we're asking, you're asking this question that can United really challenge City considering the fact that United could have been in very good pole and comfortable position. But yeah, it's happened and nah, I don't think United can challenge City because Pep Guardiola has been there, he's done that before. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, there's the there's the European commitment. Um, and that's one thing that he would love to shut some of his haters for because there's been talk that Pep has not won the UCL outside of Barcelona. But yeah, I, I'm, I pretty much he's a very experienced manager, and he's, I'm sure he's going to know he's going to manage both. I mean, I was just saying, I was tweeting this some 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 weeks ago that. City played Liverpool, Arsenal, um, Arsenal, Everton, Tottenham in like five game weeks, and it didn't seem like they have they had tough fixtures. So where are the tough fixtures coming from? I don't see. I see them. I see them running away with the league. 
again, unless something very, very drastic happens. For United fans, you, you just need to, you, the reality check that it us in the past couple of months is, is, is um, it, we'll take you back to the start of the season and say, well, United really expected to win the title. So if not, then second place definitely was also probably not expected, but it would be, it would be the next best thing after that. So can United keep up at least the challenge the, cha- um, the 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 chase for second spot that would be I'm sure Ole would love that personally and he will continue his, his um talk in saying that yeah he's he's growing with the team he's growing with with United so yeah I don't think United can challenge City I'll... but talking about talking about challenging um Chooks um, let me bring you into it um do you think West Ham in particular because they they look really good at the moment. Lingard, Lingard has come and is, 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 is confident again. Um, Antonio always finds a way to get goals, like him or not. So, do you think, as David Moyes found his new Everton with Western, and to, in talking of Everton as well, they are not far away from the top four. So, it, it really makes what has been the most interesting um, chase in the past couple of years in the Premier League, because it's not the title, because the title race most of the time is usually not so close. So do you think um, West Ham and Everton can make it a very interesting chase for the top four? Well, it's it's actually been been tight at that, let's say, second to sixth position for, for a while now. And it's looking like it's going to drag so, so long until the end of the season. And the teams you've mentioned, West Ham, Everton, looking at West Ham in particular, first of all, I must say I'm surprised find them where they are today. Oh, he is no offense. But I never expected this from, from the West Ham side at this point of the season. But it seems like you said David Moyes has been able to find has been able to find that working system that he used in the past in the Premier League with Everton. And he's been able to fashion out something similar. Now the thing is would they be able to to keep this momentum going for as long as required. Now, this is game week 26 we're going into, and West Ham have a relatively tough, tough match, like match um, round of fixtures. So if they can pull through that successfully, then I would say, yes, they are in contention for for finishing top four. As for Everton, we've seen, we've seen like in the earlier part of the season, they look like a team that that works, that functions. But they look like that Leicester side that is also one injury away from crumbling. So we saw earlier when they lost DA, when they lost uh, DCL, at different points when they had Alan out of the team. It just seemed like everything we knew the team could do wasn't coming together just because one piece of the puzzle was out. So now I feel for Leicester, I feel for Everton, they need to figure out how to work around their squad in case of injuries. And if they, if they don't figure that out, one injury away from, from finishing outside the top four. Well, there are some teams that we didn't expect to find in this part of the competition, like struggling for top four, but somehow we find Liverpool in contention for top four spots instead of challenging or defending their title. Now, I must say 
our deepest condolences go out to Allison and his family as he lost his dad earlier today, or the news about that got out earlier today. And I must say, I feel deeply for him and we send our deepest condolences to him. It just looks like Liverpool are just moving from one bad news to the other. If it's not injuries, it's something else. And before, it would have been a topic for banter. But really, having their goalkeeper lose his dad, the way it happened and the way the news was broken to him, I really don't know how, how they would be able to get their mind on, on the game or go forward. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's really sad. Um, as you said, there's no, there's no room for banter right now when it comes to Liverpool. Um, I feel really bad for them because I don't know. You can't really explain what what's going on this season. We'll, we'll move away from from the Premier League and move to the UCL because we've seen uh, the first legs of the round of sixteen games played, and I'll just read through some of the results quickly. Barcelona one, PSG four, Leipzig zero, Liverpool two, Porto two, Juventus one. Sevilla 2, Dortmund 3, Atletico Neo Chelsea 1, thank you very much, Lazio 1, Bayern 4. So, <laughs> <laughs> Babiji, um, looking at the teams that are left in the competition and also, also the results from the first leg, do you think there's any team that can potentially upset Bayern? When when you ask yourself that question, you just have to like calm down and, and look at the the, the powerhouses and how they, they are currently currently faring. Real Madrid just had sneaked a, a last one of the Lego with um, Felan Mendy. Barcelona lost four one to PSG, and you think from the results alone, you think the only person that can stop Bayern is actually the team that matched their results against a much more fancied opponent. Um, because Bayern look, they look devastating. They look really, really devastating, and um, they just—I mean, there's a new young, new young, young lad now, and everybody's already buzzing about him. So the you you have to say you have to say PSG if they can get all their players back, um, probably probably stand the best chance, the best. Chance. I mean, the, the final last last year was a tight game between both of them. Um, PSG had a couple of half, half clear, clear court chances that if on a good day they finished that game could have ended differently. But Coleman's goal was was the difference. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel I feel Kylian Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe's um, continu- continuous resurgence um, because that performance actually I think was undermined by the lack of fans. It was an amazing performance, and I think it should be right up there among. Among among the best performances in the UCL, because everything he touched that day turned was just beautiful. He hardly put a foot wrong. He reminded PKY he needs to think of moving to the MLS. So many other things like it was really really a good performance from Mbappe. So if he can keep up that form, gets back his, his partner in crime in Neymar later on in the in the in the latter stages of the tournament. Who knows? They can just they can just um, catch Bayern on an off day, although that seems very, very rare these days. And you know, get the better of them. But also um I would say 
Manchester City, Pep Guardiola. He, he looks hungry this season. The fact he, he's turned his team, his team to a machine. That's the truth. Nobody, nobody wants to come out there and say, I will. He's turned his team into a machine. Anybody that is playing very well for a, for a short period of time, if the person is out, it's like the person didn't even go out. So it's, he, he, looks, he looks ready ready this season. And I, I don't know. I just, I feel, I feel what he would love to really clear that talk of him not being able to win the, the UCL away from Barcelona. But yeah, like you said, very, very interesting results. Um, Porto winning Juventus as well was 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 quite was quite um was quite eventful. I mean the, the goal that the first goal overtook David Alaba's um quickest goal in the UCL uh, when he scored against um Juventus in 2013. But yeah, it's if the question is if there's anything I think anything I think can potentially upset Bayern, I'll give it to either City or PSG. Um, looking at the first leg results, I think every game aside PSG and um, Bayern's game is still open. I'm saying this because without fans, the home and away effect is not really there. And um, Liverpool with two goals away, Dortmund with three goals away, they are not really teams that put the best front foot forward or the best foot forward, I would say, in all competitions. So they are like off and on teams. So you can't really say, okay, Dortmund has qualified because they have three away goals or Liverpool has qualified. If Liverpool play a 3-1 in Anfield, they are out. If um, Dortmund play a 2-0, for example, they are out. So I'll, I'll say like um, all teams aside Lazio and Baka are still in contention for this game for this um, round of um, last eight, that's in the round of 16, the only ties that are closed are the Lazio Bayern and the um, PSG Baka game. And any game that will have a second leg turn around, ah, it's very, very difficult to call, but I cannot bet against Mr. Champions League. So if I'm to put money on any game, I'll have to go with Porto Juventus having a first leg turn around that's going into the second leg as the loser in the first leg. I think Juventus can still win. That's the only game I can pinpoint and say can go the other way. The second that's with the second leg results. Because the margin is small. Juventus have an away goal. And Mr. Champions League Ronaldo is still. I mean, it's not, it's not finished. It's far from finished. Yeah, that's interesting, Sha. Because, yeah, um, Juve Porto looks like one of those pictures that we've not heard the full story yet. And for some reason, I think Sevilla too. Because I have my reservations about Dortmund. I, I don't think they can go that far. So I'm hoping, more or less, that Sevilla does something. Um... But we've seen all the we saw the games, we saw the results. Mamiji, who was your player of the first leg? If you could pick one player that was outstanding from all the all the six matches, who who would you pick as your player of the first leg? 
Well, I, I almost ran out of superlatives for him the last time I spoke. It, it has to be Mbappe. Um, it was I really, really enjoyed his performance. I really, really did. He, he when you see a player really played well, you have to like ignore all the ratings you get from so far, so far score everything. You actually watch him play well from beginning to end. That's what he did. Beautiful goals. I love the way he took it. Mbappe is only praised for his pace most most times and just being a generally good good player, but nobody really talks about how good a goal scorer he is. He's, because, he's turning into a top scorer in, um, in Ligon and um, it's, it's, it was really a great performance. And like I said, it, should be, it would have been up there if there were no fans or if they were fans, rather, sorry. Also, a big shout out to Alland. Yeah, you're right in saying that that game is not over. Sevilla can still, with what we said as well, that the lack of fans make the home and away really look, um, what's the word? It doesn't really fulfill the purpose of home and away. But yeah, Alan, Alan, Alan puts, he puts fear, he puts fear, he puts fear in, in the hearts of defenders and goalkeepers. It's been a while we have strikers that do that. Joba used to do that. Wayne Rooney before, um, Ot Wayne Rooney, Fernando Torres as well. These players, they put like the, the when you're playing against them, you, 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 you dream of them, the, the day before, that how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? That's that's what Ellen Garland is bringing back to to us as fans. And yeah, I was really excited about his brief. Chicks, what about you? Well, for me, I'd I'd go with Haaland because generally I just admire the young man. It's coming all the way from the Norwegian league where. People could could want to call that a farmer's league or something. And coming into the big stage, the Champions League, he's doing it in, in over there in the Bundesliga. But to do it in the Champions League as well, come on, two goals, one assist, a wonderful performance. And just like Bamji said, when you see the young man running at defenders, like you see that fear that he brings to them. And you could almost forget that he, he as well as Mbappe, are just... 20 years old and they come up and they just perform so for me i would go with Haaland just because the trajectory like coming from from norway norwegian league and just coming in and still bossing the champions league is is wonderful just you start to say you want united to sign him what is your scoping no, no. of course of course he started he started his his professional career under ole Gunnar Solskjaer. so what do you expect? It'll be nice to see him come back and work with the manager who brought him into his professional career. You know, there's, there's stiff competition for Haaland right now. Um, I think his agent has come out to say there are like, what, 10 teams or something like that uh, are interested in the player. And I'm not surprised because it seems like if you sign Haaland, then your your striking position is sorted for the next 12 years. So that's, that's how, how yeah. big it is. So away from the players, let's look at the managers. Bamiji, who was your top manager at the first leg? So yeah, it would be easy to think that um, Pochettino will be my manager of of the of the week when um, of the first leg rather, because I said Mbappe was my player of the first leg. But now, nah, Barcelona actually very very easy to play against, so you don't really need so much tactical news or awareness to beat them. They, they don't have the defense like they used to. Um, so it was easy for PSG to actually penetrate them. 
but my manager of the week definitely goes to Ansel Flick. He still kept, he still keeps getting underrated, and he's a man that doesn't care about that. Ever since he was assistant manager to Joachim Low in Germany, he's always been quiet. He necessarily doesn't have to jump with Joachim Low when he's celebrating a goal or something. That's why the fact that both of them did work for most of the plans that they were going to play and everything. Yeah, so Bami Jihans is a good is a good choice. I think his Bayern team, they are the favourites to win the, the Champions League again. So yeah, he's, he's actually a very good choice for manager of the first leg. But he's, let's hear from you. Who impressed you um, from the touchline in the first leg? Um, my choice is kind of like an unpopular choice, but the similarity between my choice and Bam Jesus is they are both German coaches. Um, my manager of the first leg was Borussia Dortmund's coach, Edin Tessic. So um, Edin Tessic was appointed 13 December 2020 when Lucien Poirot was sacked. So he played his first UCL game exactly two months and about a week as a coach. As in, I don't know how you guys are reasoning this thing, but in his first UCL game, he won. He won away. He won Europa League champions. So it's kind of a big deal for me because I expected Dortmund to go through like in, in, with this time when I was doing my permutations when the draw was done in December. But I won't lie, I did not expect Dortmund to get a win from this first leg because Sevilla is a very difficult place that people come out um, tops except maybe Chelsea and um, Juru's performance in the group stage. But aside that, I don't think... Um, a lot of teams can say they've gone to um, Ramos Sanchez P1 and they came out like tops. So that's why he's my coach of the month, um, of the first leg rather, not coach of the month. That's why he's my manager of the first leg because it took a Dortmund side to a game where they were not really favorite, considering like their um, away form, their poor away form in Europa um, and sorry Champions League nights, and that, that, that performance was just. I, I don't really say tactical masterclass. He's too young a coach for me to use such strong words, but it was a very, very good result. He's getting his front three ticking in Marco Royce, Jaden Sancho, and Haaland. These days, when you just open your sofa score, fourth mobile live score app, you just see that if Sancho is not the one that scored, it's Haaland that scored. If Sancho scores, Haaland assisted or Royce. Like, he's just getting his front three ticking. Mm -hmm. And I just hope... He gives us what Hans the Flick is currently giving us. Because they were they already announced that he won't be coach at the end of the year. So I know that a lot of coaches are looking for a lot of teams rather are going to look for coaches. And if he does well with Dortmund, a top club may get him in Europe. Okay. Which Ebuka is he me next? Yes, it's you next now. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, spot, spot this place. Let me go. Uh, no, I'll have a record with you. Let's continue. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good one, Oyes. Um, 
I I think that result as well was no I I wouldn't say um they were they were Dortmund were in favorites in that game, but yeah you didn't just expect them to to grab a win as easy as it did seem or at the end. But yeah, that's that's a good one. But let's let's it's always if you if you allow us to keep talking about UCL to the end of the show, but that's not what this is all about. Um, we have to move to FPL and like. Ibuka Antrik said at the start of the show, it was a really rewarding experience for our listeners in Game Week 25. And I hope you, you, you plugged on here for, for a bumper, which is double Game Week 26. Ibuka, you're doing very well in FPL, actually. You're doing very well, probably better than you're doing in life. So, but yeah. What, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think is the best wait, budget wait, player? Wait, wait, wait. What? To our, we, we, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I didn't hear what I just heard. <laughs> so yeah, Ibuka, we, we did discuss about um shipping out the expensive players in our teams and getting in the budget players. So for this double game week, who is the best? Who is the best budget player to have this double game week? Well, the the budget strategy for the last game week worked out. My budget players did quite well, and um, the fear for me is game week twenty nine that is almost around the corner. So the crazy thing about game week twenty nine is that. Um, there are only what four matches eight teams are going to play in that game week, which is just terrifying. So you have to also think about game week 29. And if a player is available on the cheap, he's likely to start, he's in good form, and he has a fixture in game week 29, it kind of makes things makes things a bit more interesting for 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 um FPL players. So for me. In terms of bargain, I would say Bertrand Traore. Now, I'm saying Bertrand Traore because um, Jack Willis is, is out. He's, he's going to start every game. They have a double game week, and, um, and they're, playing, <laughs> they're playing Leeds away and Sheffield away. Leeds, Leeds away is going to be an interesting game because you know how Leeds play. But then Sheffield away, you'd expect that Bertrand Traore is going to pick up points against Sheffield. Um, he's my number one pick. And um, he scored in the last game against, against Leicester. He's, he's available for 5.9 million, which is very, very cheap. But then my second pick, and this is actually the player that right now I'm looking at my team and I've done my transfer, but I haven't submitted it yet. He's in my team now. Uh, 5.5 million, Josh Maja. Now, yes, he had now one good game against Everton. But what's attractive about Maja is he has Crystal Palace away and Spurs at home. Yes, Spurs at home, it seems like you know, it's going to be a difficult fi- uh, fixture. But Fulham have actually been performing very well, especially in their defence. So if you're going for an Ola Aino or Ad- Adarabio, I don't know if I pronounce his name well, they are both priced at like 4.5 million. I think I know it's not going to be good. But 
it's all, he, those are also very good options because Fulham have been very good defensively in, in recent weeks. But I'm going with Josh Maja because I need to bring in Harry Kane and because uh, Harry Kane has a, he has a double game week and he also has fixtures in game 29. Josh Maja has the same. So I'm most likely going to get rid of Callum Wilson and Antonio and bring in Kane and Josh Maja, which is not bad. So my number one pick is Bertrand Traore, but I'm going with Josh Maja also. Okay, thank you, Ibuka. We'll definitely be looking at um, Josh Maha and or Bertrand Traore to get into our team as that low-budget player. But yeah, you were talking about attraction. And Oiz, for those of us that still have our bench boost, what type of players should we attract? And is it a must to use your bench boost? This- okay, um, I'll answer your second question first, Bamiji. Is it a must to use your bench boost? No, it's not a must. Um, I'll say you should do what you call um, opportunity cost. So you should use your bench boost between now, um, this game week or game week 29. That's the blank game week or this. This is likely to be the um, highest double game week in the season. 14 teams, are, 14 teams are playing two games this double game week. So if you don't want to use your bench boost, you can use your free it. If you don't use your free it, use your bench boost. But whichever one you don't use this week, I would, I would advise you keep it for the blank game week because you may just need something extra so that you will not be getting decimal points in the blank game week 29 because that game week is, I don't know, when we get to that bridge, we'll cross it. Then your, then your first question about which player should we be looking at for the bench boost? I'll say differential players that have double game week. For example, you can look at Ademona Lukman, 5.0. He has Palace away, Spurs at home. Palace away, even if they lose, Ademola Lukman is someone that can come fellow Niger boys, either Ola know or Josh Maja, and create or score a goal. Against Spurs, Spurs are playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So Mori has not been able to get his defensive combination right. So they will play Eric Davis and um, Sanchez, tomorrow we'll play Daya and Adavarald and so on and so forth. The one that even made me laugh was Jafet Tanganga has played right back in two of Tottenham's last three games, meaning their back three is shaky and their back four is shaky. So Tottenham look like a team willing to concede goals. Last but not least, Hugo Loris is also suspect or has been suspect. After Alisson, Hugo Loris has had the most error leading to goals in the last five game weeks. So a player you should look at is Ademola Lukman. Another player you should look at is Abi Barnes. If you want to use your bench boost, and if, if you still have one or two free transfers, Abi Barnes is about, um, I think, is in the region of 6.9. Yeah, Abi Barnes is 6.9. Ademola Lukman is 5.0. Bertrand Traore is 5.9. I think those are um, three players you should look at for if you want to use your bench boost. I don't really have any option in defense, but a player you can look at in attack is sort of another differential pick, but it's too expensive for the type of team he plays for is Mbaye Diagne. Like Mbaye Diagne is a general signing for West Bromwich Albion. He has one goal and three assists in about six games. And West Brom, even if we know that they are almost um, going on relegation, is not a good thing 
I think I said this on the pod last week or last two weeks, it's never a good thing to play relegation side in the business end of the season. So if anyone is going to score a goal or create a goal for West Bromwich Albion, it's going to be Mbaye Diagne. So those are four players, three in midfield, Avi Barnes, Ademona Lukman, Bertrand Trari, and one in attack, Mbaye Diagne, 6.0. Those are four players our advice we get into our bench boost. Thank you. Well, that's that's a whole lot to take in. Always, thank you very much for that. Um, so you, you heard you heard the man. Um, you you have you have the chance if you have the chance to save save a a chip for that blank game week. You you should also think of that and just gauge all his all his options that he's giving you to to bench boost this coming game week. So from moving from one chip to another chip, um, Ibuka, just like. Police has advised and um, guided us. Is it smart? Is it wise to use the triple captain now? Like it must you must must you use it? Would you? In fact, let me let me personalize the question to you. Would you use your triple captain? Uh, I haven't made that decision yet. I usually keep my triple captain and bench bush chips to when it's like game week 32, 33. Because that's when I already know, I already have an idea of where I'm going to finish. And it's just about trying to gain um, an advantage over probably maybe the person that is one place ahead of me that maybe argued on the tier and I'm like, I need to finish ahead of this guy. So it's a tricky one. Um, but there's some interesting options. But at the same time, there are also <laughs> these interesting players are also very risky. For example, Bruno. So uh, Bruno has... Chelsea away and Crystal Palace away. Now, if it was a home fixture, or if they were both home fixtures, I think Bruno would have been nailed on to be a triple captain. Why? Because it's interesting that in his last six home games, um, and in these games, he has had three double-digit holes. Bruno has only blanked once at home in the last six games. While if you look at his away games, he has um, three blanks in his last six away games. And only one double digits hole. So if you now use the away form of Bruno Fernandez in terms of uh, FPL points, you can see that with two away games, he might not be the best option. Before Bruno Fernandez away was <laughs> was like the best he could hope for. But now it's a bit tricky. If you look at Harry Kane, it's funny how he has two double digit holes since game week six. And those two were in home games. Um, he has only delivered in one away game since game week 13. So Hurricane started the season so well, but he has actually really dropped off. So Hurricane is, yes, I'm thinking of getting Hurricane in my team right now because of the, the pictures are interesting. You know, Burnley at home, which we know sports usually do well against Burnley at home, and then Fulham. It, it seems perfectly placed for Hurricane. But if you're looking at his form and um, you know his his recent history, it feels like maybe I shouldn't be going for Hurricane with with the uh, triple captain. It still feels like Salah can deliver, especially when you look at Sheffield away. But then Liverpool just have so many things going wrong for them right now that it's so risky to talk about um, about Salah. The Man City guys seem you know a bit more, would I say, certain to deliver if you're looking at. Man City playing West Ham at home and um, Wolves also at home. They're looking at the Ryan Sterling and Gundogan. 
but the problem is rotation. Pep will most likely rotate. And you don't want to. I, I know this happened to me what the last season or two seasons ago where there was a double game week and I achieved half Sunny and he came from the bench in the first game. And in the second game, he started and gave me two points. So it was a very useless triple cap. And these things happen when you trust City players. Even in the Bruyne, I'm not even sure if you play both games. Gundogan has started almost every game since uh, since when KDB got injured. He had a brief break with his injury. But now that he's back, he's starting every game again. We don't know what Pep is going to do. So for me, I would say... Hold up on the triple captain. It's very tempting and the rewards are so great. But if you get it wrong, you are losing maybe the last chip that you have to gain that advantage over people that are ahead of you on your on your mini league. All right, thank you, Ebuka. Um, like you I what you really said, I, I I pointed out was the the inconsistency of Pep with the selections for his team. So yeah, looking at a city player could be very, very risky. But um, Chooks, moving on from the bounty, bountiful rewards that the, um, Double Game Week 28 promises, what about the farming, which is which, um, double, uh, which Game Week 29 um, proposes to us? What do you, how should we down do that blank Game Week 29? Well, I think generally, I think the season or um, this part of the season had been had been warming up, let me put it that way. So if you check most people's teams coming from the last double game week, uh, I'm sure they have a couple of leads assets in the team. So for starters, if you have your leads assets who do not have double game week in going into 26, I'll tell you, you can keep them on the bench rather than sell. So instead of selling off your leads assets because you want to double up an end point in game week 26, this is especially if you do not have any if you don't have your free hit or wild card. So you could just leave them on the bench. If you have your bench boost, as he said, you could or you could still hold on that. And just keep them around. Don't no need rushing to sell them off. Now, looking at Aston Villa as well, I know Ebuka already mentioned Bertrand Traore as as a a lower budget buy that you could have and since Grealish is out injured of course that is someone you would like to keep around in your team as I'm sure Villa will be looking towards him and the likes of Ole Watkins for for goals and those those results those um, products we want in in terms of attacking returns so it's good to just have them around if they are still in your team now as Ebuka rightly mentioned Kane started the season well for has been I don't, I don't know what to call it but he's been in and out with injury and also not not returning as much as he was earlier in the season but going into okay so i don't know how many people still have him in their team but it will be good to have him around if he's still in your team you could keep him on the bench and just say your eye ahead for that game week 29 now I'm really speaking majorly to those who do not have those chips. If you have your chips and you're using them for this double game with 26, it would be wise to save up your free transfers ahead 
that's for 27 and 28 you would like to save those ahead of the blank game week 29 so if you put all of this together leave some of these players on your bench and also save up two the two free transfers ahead of that game week then you should be fine you should be fine the, the funny thing for me is when I saw game week 29 at first, I just knew that you know, oh, he's mentioned decimal points. Now, I've already accepted my feet that on oh, like the decimal point I'm going to have because I'm not going to make so many changes to my team just because of um, these well, four matches that you, you don't even know if the players they are bringing are even going to deliver. And that's one thing I've that's one of the most annoying things on FPL. When you take a hit to bring in somebody and the person gives you my uh, maybe two points or something, you know, if you are taking a hit, then the person has to make up for that hit that you are taking. So I I, I, I would want to keep uh, or have at least two free transfers, as Chick said, because that's very important. If you don't have your chips or you don't want to use your chips, at the very least, you should have two free transfers going into game of 29. So it's time to start thinking about um, players they are bringing in. If they're bringing anybody in this game week, have an eye um, looking at game 29. Try to bring in someone that is playing in game 29. So that just reduces the burden when you get to game 29. Now, to the most important question, and I'll start with Bamiji, who do we captain? Yeah, okay, I'm looking at the, the fixtures coming up. Sad Grealish right, might be out of that. And you just have to look at Aston Villa's major create, creator. That would have been the perfect option because that person, whoever that person would be going into those games would be the would be in would be the favorite in terms of the fixtures that they have to they have to play ball. You just have to look at Tottenham as well. They have Burnley and Fulham, although this um, Fulham gave them a really, really t- tough time um, in the in the reverse leg. But, I mean, this is where Yung Mi Song scored that wonderful solo goal that won the postcast. And I don't know, that there's something about um, fixture history that could just wake him up and, you know, he could go crazy again. So, Yung Mi Song is someone I, I'm definitely, definitely looking out, looking out to. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Burnley at home, Fulham away. Yeah, I think I think Son is a very good option. Chicks, what about you? Well, Bamji just took the word out of my mouth. So, basically, looking at it from from his picture perspective, Yumi Son looks like a very good option. Looking at the picture, Burnley and Fulham. However, like. <laughs> In the past, I know there used to be a rule. There used to be an FPL rule, rather unspoken. Some people knew it, that when in doubt, Captain Salah. But like I was telling Ohis the other time, sometime um, after game week 25, I think that rule has changed. And for me, this season, it has been, when in doubt, Captain Bruno. I know the fixture. The fixtures don't look like it in terms of two away fixtures at Chelsea and at Crystal Palace. But if you're in doubt, I'll say keep faith in the man Bruno Fernandes. Okay. What about you, his? Who's your captain? Um, my captain my captain picks. I know I'm a West Ham fan, but <laughs> I'm, I also believe in stats. 
Ryan Sterling is my number one captain pick. Ryan Sterling plays all front three positions, so he's most likely going to start both games against West Ham and Wolves. He also has a very good scoring record against West Ham United. I know, yes, he blanked in the reverse picture and it was Phil Foden and Antonio that scored, but my number one captain pick is Ryan Sterling. And you cannot overlook Son because Son is out for blood. But the reason why I will not say Son is my first choice is Moria has shown time and time again this season that he's more for the cup games than for the Premier League. I'm not saying Spurs will finish 15th, no. But I'm trying to tell you that Spurs may always play Premier League games with one eye in Europe. And their second game against Fulham is exactly seven days before their round of 16 tie. And my fans are all here now. During the Europa League, we know how um, Mario was rotating anyhow. Sometimes he doesn't care losing or drawing a Premier League game just because of European ties. So Son can be your second choice, but I'm telling in my opinion, should be your first choice as a captain because he can play the left, he can play on the right, and he can also play as a false nine, especially when Pep wants to um, rest both his strikers. All right, guys, you've read from, you've read from the gang, Ibuka, uh, Moise, Trucks, on out under your bench, Bush, triple captain, all of that. So I wish for you a very good um, game week coming up. Please don't forget, remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on any platform you can, any platform at all that you listen to us, please do that. You can also follow us on Twitter at the empty stand, at the empty stand. Send us screenshots of your team. We'd look at them and rate it. Just have a fruitful game week, okay? Goodbye.